The absence or reputation of an upper limb, and especially a hand, is a dramatic event that usually affects not only physical function, but also appearance and the capability of a person to express themselves with gestures. Upper limb prostheses have come a long way in the past few decades, but users still struggle with high long-term rejection rates. Multi-articulating and multi-grip myoelectric prosthetic hands have been available for approximately 15 years and are believed to have narrowed the functional gap to a natural human hand. However, research with multi-articulating prosthetic hands on patient-reported ease of activities of daily living, ADLs, and usefulness is still limited. Hi everyone, I'd like to welcome you to episode 16 of ONP Research Insights, presented by the American Academy of Orthodox and Prosthetics. I'm Dr. Steve Gard, Editor-in-Chief for the Journal of Prosthetics and Orthotics. This episode is being recorded live at the 2023 Academy Meeting and Scientific Symposium. My guest today is Dr. Andreas Kannenberg, MD, PhD. Dr. Kannenberg graduated from Charité Medical School at Humboldt University in Berlin, Germany in 1989 and worked as a physician in Germany for more than 10 years. He joined Ottobach in 2003 as Director of Medical Affairs and has been serving as Executive Medical Director in North America since 2013. He coordinates Ottobach's clinical research in the Americas and is part of a global medical and research team to consult R&D, product management, reimbursement, and sales on medical subjects. He and his team are responsible for researching and defining medical requirements for new products, initiation and management of clinical trials, medical training, as well as the medical support to negotiations with healthcare payers in the U.S. and Canada. Today, we will be discussing a recent article that Dr. Kennenberg published in JPO entitled, Differences in Two Multi-Articulating Prosthetic Hands for Facilitating Activities of Daily Living in Individuals with Transradial Amputation, a Cross-Sectional Study. Welcome to the podcast, Andreas. Thank you for having me, Steve. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. You publish a lot of interesting research, and I was hoping at one point or another we'd be able to interview you as part of this podcast. So let's start out with why does this topic interest you? Well, research in patients with upper limb amputations is generally scarce and heavily skewed towards technological research. That's why clinical research with these patients is important and absolutely needed. So what was the motivation for this particular study? Well, the original idea for this study was born a long time ago, and the goal was to give Autobach management professional recommendations for further product development and potential acquisition of terminal devices. However, it turned out that the pace of the business was much faster with Ursa's acquisition of touch bionics than that of any scientific research project could ever have been. So what was the purpose of your study? The purpose of this study was to compare the patient-reported functionality and usefulness of the B-Bionic and ILM multi-articulating hands and to compare their results to the historical results of a Michelangelo multi-grip hand study compared to standard myoelectric single-grip hands. What were your hypotheses or expectations for this study? Based on numerous conversations with users and clinicians, our hypothesis was that the multi-articulating and multi-grip hands would perform better than the standard single-grip hands, 
but also that more available grip types in the hands would not automatically result in better functionality and usefulness with the limitations of the standard two-channel myoelectric control. Very interesting. So what were the inclusion-exclusion criteria for your research subjects? Originally, the study was open for patients with unilateral and bilateral major upper limb amputations of all levels, but due to the limited access to patients with more proximal and bilateral amputations, we finally limited the study to patients with unilateral transradial amputations. In addition, eligible patients were required to have used their current prosthetic hand for at least six months to ensure a minimum level of proficiency. Would you please tell us a little bit about the two prosthetic hands that were investigated for this study? Sure. The B-Bionic and the ILEM are multi-articulating hands that offer the user a number of different grip types and hand positions. The ILEM has several versions that offer between 12 and 18 different grip types and hand positions, whereas the B-Bionic hand has only one version with 14 grip types and hand positions. The Michelangelo hand that was the historical control is not a multi-articulating hand, but offers seven different grip types and hand positions. In contrast, conventional myoelectric hands offer only one, the opposition here, with either digital open-close only or proportional control of speed and force. The three multi-articulating or multi-grip hands are, all have proportional control. So how did you go about collecting data and what outcome measures were used? As clinical research in upper limb prosthetics is so scarce, the number of available validated outcome measures is very limited. As we were primarily interested in patient-reported function and usefulness, we used modified versions of the Orthotic and Prosthetic User Survey, Upper Extremity Functional Status, the Opus UEFS, and the Prosthetic Upper Extremity Functional Index, PUFFY. We modified the Opus to specifically ask for the difficulty to perform an activity of daily living with the prosthesis. The original version asked generally for the perceived difficulty of the ADL and whether it is usually performed with the prosthesis or not. That means that you don't necessarily collect the difficulty of performing the activity with a prosthesis, but potentially with a sound hand alone or with the help of the residual limb without the prosthesis. The puffy has the limitation that it asks for the usefulness of the prosthesis and how exactly an activity is performed for activities that have only been validated for children and adolescents of up to 14 years of age. So that's why we combined the 23 activities of the Opus with the rating scale of the Puffy. Very nice. Let's move on and talk about some of your results. How many research participants did you enroll in your study? We finally enrolled 10 users each of the B-Bionic and ILM hands with unilateral transradial amputation. And what were the pertinent demographics of your participants? The group of B-Bionic users was somewhat younger than that of the ILEM users with a mean age of 37 versus 50 years and balanced re with regard to sex with 50% male and 50% female subjects as compared to predominantly male subjects in the ILEM group. Amputation etiologies and sites were comparable and both groups were experienced prosthesis users with a mean time of 16 years since their amputation. 
they were also comparable in the mean two years of use of their current prosthetic hands. And what were the primary findings of your investigation? We found no statistically significant difference in patient-reported difficulty to perform the complete set of ADLs of the opus with either multi-articulating hand and also no difference in patient-reported usefulness of either hand. The scores for the B-Bionic and Ilem were comparable and not significantly different from the historical scores of the same outcome measure obtained with a Michelangelo hand. All scores for the B-Bionic and Ilem hands were better than but not significantly different from the historical controls of standard single-grip hands. In the historical study with 16 patients, the scores for the Michelangelo hand had been significantly better than for the conventional hands, which was likely an effect of the bigger sample size. Though the total scores for all three multi-articulating and multi-grip hands were comparable, there were remarkable differences between the hands in certain activities. In the end, there is no perfect prosthetic hand, as each of them has its own profile of strengths and weaknesses. Clinicians who serve patients with upper limb amputations should know about these profiles to be able to choose the most appropriate hand for patients based on what specific activities they do routinely and often. So based upon your findings, was the hypothesis you posed supported or refuted by the study results? Both of our hypotheses were supported by the results of our study. Though the differences between B-Bionic and ILM on the one hand and conventional hands on the other hand were not significant, they didn't differ from the scores for Michelangelo either that had been significantly better than those of the single-grip hands. So I think it is appropriate to assume that these three multi-articulating or multi-grip hands offer better functionality and usefulness than single-grip myoelectric hands. The fact that we didn't find differences between the three multi-articulating or multi-grip hands basically confirmed our second hypothesis that more grip types available in these prosthetic hands don't necessarily result in greater functionality and usefulness. The reason is likely that the limitations of the two-channel myoelectric control that is currently still the standard of care make it too cumbersome for most patients to select the best grip type for an activity in everyday life. Now, I know in studies of this type that training can be a factor that should be considered. So I wonder how much training did the subject receive in the use of the multi-articulating prosthetic hands? And then what role do you believe user training plays in a study of this type? As this was not an interventional but a cross-sectional study with existing users of the hands, we were unable to control the training of the patients. We simply had to trust that patients had received an appropriate amount of training for their hands. But in general, training is absolute key for clinical success of fitting prosthetic hands. Unlike walking, that is a highly automated neurophysiological process controlled by movement programs stored on the subconscious level of the brain, Almost all movements and activities of the upper limbs, and especially the hands, are voluntary movements that require thorough sensory motor planning, execution, sensory feedback, and motor correction if necessary. For lower limb prosthesis, especially with microprocessor control and sensors, most walking tasks are largely predictable and controllable using software algorithms. In contrast, 
most upper limb and hand movements are unpredictable for the prosthesis and the lack of sensory feedback makes it almost impossible to self-correct. That's why training whose amount should be tailored to the patient's progress and needs is equally as essential as the prosthesis itself. I strongly believe that insufficient training is one of the reasons for the high abandonment rates in upper limb prosthetics. So based upon your data, would you say that the eye limb and bionic hands are functionally equivalent? As I said earlier, all three multi-articulating and multi-grip hands offer a comparable overall functionality and usefulness. However, each of the hands has strengths and weaknesses and activities for which they're good or bad, so they are not completely interchangeable. Therefore, clinicians serve their patients best when they choose the hand that best supports the activity needs of their patient. And are your findings consistent with those of previous studies? Unfortunately, there are just a few comparable studies that basically came to similar conclusions, namely that the vast majority of users of multi-articulating or multi-grip hands use only two to three grip types of these hands in their daily lives. The number of techies among patients that use phone apps, tokens, or gesture control to select grip types is very low. I always like to ask investigators if there were any unanticipated surprises in your findings, and if so, can you explain them? No, as this was not an interventional study, we didn't experience any unexpected surprises. And did you encounter any notable problems in the course of your study, and if so, what would you have done differently? The only true challenge we encountered was access to patients or limited access to patients. The co-investigator who performed the semi-structured patient interviews, Sean Swanson-Johnson, is an occupational therapist with extensive experience in patient rehab and training. She was also responsible for recruiting and enrolling patients, but that proved to be more difficult than expected as she's not directly affiliated with a rehab center that serves a large cohort of patients with upper limb amputations. In hindsight, it would have made sense to seek a direct collaboration with a rehab center for patients with upper limb amputations. And so what are the main clinical takeaways from your study, and how can your results be applied to clinical practice? The two main takeaways for clinical practice are, first, multi-articulating and multi-grip hands offer more functionality and usefulness than single-grip hands, even but standard two-channel myoelectric control. And second, there is no perfect multi-articulating or multi-grip hands whatsoever. All of the hands have certain activity profiles for which they're good or not so good. Clinicians should know about the strengths and weaknesses of each hand and match the specific activity needs of their patients with the best suited hand in each case. Having experience with this type of study now, do you have any recommendations for future research directions based on this work? Ideally, if I could dream, future studies should use an interventional design, use different prosthetic hands in the same patients in randomized order, provide minimum training with each of the hands, and use both performance-based and patient-reported outcomes that cover a wide variety of clinical constructs. It would make sense to study whether more advanced control mechanisms 
such as pattern recognition or targeted muscle reinnovation, result in more intuitive use of more grip types that advanced hands already offer and in more functionality and usefulness. And as we start winding things down here, Andreas, would you like to acknowledge any funding that you received to conduct this study? Oh, yes, of course. This study was funded by my employer, Autobock Healthcare in Austin, Texas. Very nice. Autobock does some uh, extremely good research studies. So thank you for your efforts. We've come to the end of our podcast, so I'd like to thank Dr. Cannonberg for sharing his insights and discussing his research with us today. I'd like to remind everyone that if you would like additional information on this project, you can access the full article about this study in the Journal of Prosthetics and Orthotics. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of ONP Research Insights presented by the American Academy of Orthodox and Prosthetists. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Please plan to join us again next month for the Academy's ONP Research Insights podcast when we'll be hosting another author and discussing their recent JPO article. And don't forget to check out the Academy's other podcast for ONP professionals. ONP Clinical Insiders, a podcast created for conversations on specific areas of clinical care, and ONP Rising, a podcast created for emerging professionals in our industry.